Amen. Hey, can we give a quick round of applause for this worship team? Yeah, I think, uh, so some of you may have been at Mission View for like uh, four years or so, and uh, I hope you never take for granted if this is what you get on a weekly basis, my word, amen? So, so good. You can sit there and just, um, you can just close your eyes, and um, it just takes you to the presence of God. I don't know about all of you, but there are times in my life that I just need to close my eyes and be reminded that God is good, that God is with us, and that God is for us. And for a few minutes, we have a great opportunity to walk into yet another example of another posture of leadership. If you were with us last week, we talked about this servant leader, and we looked at a number of them from Peter and uh, Barnabas and, and Saul, and, uh, and we looked at Stephen, all these examples of leaders that just uh, really postured themselves in a way of saying, I'm here to serve whatever it takes. And, and in some ways, in many ways, we're continuing on that message this week, and we're going to be looking at uh, just a classic character, a classic leader in the church. His name's Paul. Uh, right when I say Paul, there's a lot of you that probably just go, man, I have his whole story down. Uh, I could stand up and preach about Paul all day. Um, great writer, wrote most of the New Testament. We know him. Writer of the epistles, these amazing letters that we know of. But this week, when we look at this concept of being uh, the title of, in some ways, is this administrative type leader, which is an interesting title. Um, administration is this really, when it's summed up, it, it really tells the story that uh, God is telling the story and we're not. Amen? God is writing the story and we are just faithfully following the script that we've been given. God is the writer, producer, initiator, completer. He's the hero of the story. It's all about him. It always has been. It is and always will be. And each of our lives, the sum total of each of our lives, is simple faith and trust in following whatever God gives us. Now, the reason that doesn't get a standing applause and a huge amen is simply because sometimes there's a part of our story that we don't really like. I call it living in the middle. And the way to best illustrate this is, I guess we look at it this way. Um, do we have any middle children in the, in the audience this morning? Middle Raise your hand, middle children. You've been ignored your whole life. Come on. <laughs> you know who you are. Middle kids, yes. The older sibling, firstborn, wise, mature, always gets stuff right, all that stuff. And then all of a sudden comes a little baby. They're the cutest. Everything's perfect. And you're kind of in the middle, right? You're kind of like, hey, look at me. I didn't choose this position. <laughs> Living in the middle. How about marriage? Anybody married in here? Come on. We like marriage. Marriage is good. When I first met Joanna, I had these dreams of like, you know, what marriage is going to be. And it's awesome, Joanna. So good. But you know, truth be told, 
I saw my parents who had been married for like forever, and I saw her parents who had been married like forever, and I thought, hey, I'm gonna meet this girl, and, and Steve was, he, he did our premarital counseling, and this is gonna be awesome, and he's gonna marry us, and, and, and this is gonna be awesome. No one told me about the middle part of marriage. Is the middle part of marriage always easy? Oh, you guys all stink. Everybody's like, I'm not answering this. This is a setup, all right? You know it's not easy. Sometimes I don't understand her. And sometimes she doesn't understand me. I don't know why, but we just don't speak the same language. It's hard in the middle. You get, you see the principal living in the middle? I remember um, a number of years ago, my college roommate and I, he's like, hey, let's run a marathon. I'm like, let's do it. That sounds good. So we went to YouTube and we, we Googled, we YouTubed marathons and we watched, we watched all these people finish the Chicago Marathon. There was like 40,000 people cheering them on and celebrating them. And we both watched these YouTube videos like for hours. And we're like, we want that. So we signed up and we went to Chicago completely untrained, completely didn't even like, didn't even like work out even. But we saw the video. We had a vision. Everyone's going to be cheering for us. No one told us about the 26 miles in the middle. <laughs> the middle stinks. I hate the middle. The middle is where you find yourself when you see something the way it's supposed to be and the way it ought to be and the way it should be, and you find yourself now living in a space wanting that but living here. Everybody tracking? The Apostle Paul, just like Peter last week, was given an amazing vision of what it was supposed to be like. Our, chap our, our text this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read about 13 verses. So hang with me here. All right? So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. All right? Make sure you go there. It's important to go there. All right? I could totally make it up. All right? You've got to go there and test me. All right, don't even trust that sometimes, you know? They're good, but don't trust them. Got to trust the Bible. Amen? Amen? I don't know. Verse 3, our chapter 3, verse 1 of Ephesians. Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. Verse 4. And regarding this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery, he says, is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs are together with Israel, members together of one body and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Verse 7 says, I became a servant, Paul says. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I'm less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, 
the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers, the authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. And I ask you, therefore, do not be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Would you pray with me? Father God, for a few minutes, would you continue to meet us here? There's absolutely no need to invite you here because I believe where two or three are gathered in your name that you are here. God, my prayer is that you would make us aware of your presence. God, there's stories being written right now in this place. We are all in this place called the middle. Help us see you in it. Help us trust you through it. It's in your name I pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. Such an incredible text that Paul gives us. Much like Peter last week, um, there's an incredible moment that happens in Paul's life where he was living for himself. You know the story, backstory, living for himself, doing his own thing. God shows up at just the right time, gives him a new vision, a new call, and he says, I want to give you a vision of what can be. So over here, Paul has an incredible interaction with God, an incredible moment with God, and he says, this is the vision I want to give to you. In this vision, he says, there's going to be a mystery that's going to be made known to you. In verse 3, he says, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. I want you to know this mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as has been made known now. Here's this mystery. The mystery is that through cross, through the gospel, the Gentiles are now heirs together with Israel. What he says is, Paul, I'm going to call you, and I'm going to give you a complete calling and a vision of what it's supposed to be. Now, if you're Paul over here, there'd be a, a great tension of kind of saying, I don't even know how I got here, and I have no idea how that's going to happen. I don't know how I got here, and I have no idea how that is going to happen. Church, I think we stop right there, and we think about this concept of what God is trying to put forth in our lives. If you're a child of God, I pray this morning that we would always have a posture of great humility. Why in all the universe, of all the billions of people on this earth, would God choose you and I? Why, with all of my sin, with all of my rebellion, with all of my darkness, with all of my sin, with all of my, you fill in the blank, would he choose me? Paul had to wrestle with this reality of being called, of being chosen, and then the audacity of God to say, not only am I going to choose you, I'm going to bless you with a vision that is beyond you. Church, I think so many of us have to wrestle this morning with the call that God has given us. We have to come back sometimes to the place where God first spoke to, to you. When God first put his hand of grace upon you and he says, I choose you. Church, do you remember that day? Do you remember that moment? Maybe it was in camp. Maybe it was a mother, father. Maybe it was in church. I grew up in a church where, where I always felt like I chose God. <laughs> if you want to come to know Jesus right now, raise your hand. 
If you don't know Jesus, come on down. See, that was, a, that was an outward response to what God has already done on the inside. Never mistake the fact that God chooses us. We do not choose God. Amen? Because if we get that order confused, it really changes how we live in the middle. Paul says, you chose me. And this is what he says. Interesting how he starts verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, listen to this take, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. He says, right from the beginning of his life, I've been chosen and called by God. I am a servant unto God. And now I have a call and commissioning to something that's bigger and beyond me. There's a cycle that I'd like to show you. I think we have a, a, tech, a, a little resiliency cycle up there. We want to walk through this one as we walk through this text. How do we live in the middle? You might not be able to see it very well, but the first thing we have to realize is this concept of a clear calling. I'm trying to talk about this concept of being resilient, a resilient cycle that I think God wants us to lean into this morning, Mission View, of how we live in the middle and what God wants us to do with our text this morning. I fear sometimes that we are so easily persuaded by the ways of the world. We're so easily persuaded by discouragement. We're so easily dis uh, persuaded by things that we can't control that we're quick to give up. We're quick to surrender, not in a, a, a position of power, but one of saying, I'm out. I give up. The first thing we have to realize this morning is that when God calls us, what he does is he gives us a new perspective. You see, the Apostle Paul had a new perspective on this thing called life. He says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ Jesus now lives in me. See, his perspective on everything changed. His calling was crystal clear. He knew that his calling was to become a servant. Church, can I be honest with you? Sometimes I struggle with the calling. I struggle with that calling as saying, I am called simply to serve. I'm called simply to serve not man all the time and not my pastor all the time and not my, not my parents and not my wife and not my kids. I'm a servant to Jesus. He is my king. He is my savior. He is my Lord. What he tells me, I will do. What he tells me not to do, I will not do. Where he tells me to go, I will go. And when he tells me to turn away, I will turn away because he is my king. No one else is. Amen? Now we say amen, but you have to be very careful about that because Paul understood the depth of that. For this reason, uh, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. I hate the fact that Paul starts this text with, I'm a prisoner. <laughs> I wish so badly when it comes to calling that he would have started this message with, I, Paul, the prosperous man of the world. I, Paul, the leader of leaders. I, Paul, the, the future writer of most of the New Testament. I, Paul, something positive. Paul, give me something positive. Give me a book title. Give me a chapter title. Give me something better than I, Paul, the prisoner. That's not going to sell well on Amazon today. Church, we don't like those words, do we? I'm a prisoner. I'm a prisoner because of the gospel? God, didn't you call me? You blinded me. You opened my eyes so that I can see. You gave me a vision that, that every man, woman, and child, Jew, Gentile, male, uh, female, slave, and free will be able to come to you. This is the vision you've given me. This is the administration of my life you, you've, you've called me to, yet here I am, a called one of you, and I am trapped. 
I am condemned. I can't go anywhere. Paul's living in the middle as he writes this. Church, you ever look at yourself in the mirror sometimes and go, how did I get here? <laughs> this, is, this, isn't what I, this isn't what I scripted for my life. I, I, don't, I don't, don't like the job that I'm working. I don't, I, don't, I don't like the marriage I have. I don't like what my kids are becoming. I'm not happy, I'm grumpy, I'm discontent. This isn't, this, isn't, this isn't what I had planned. Welcome to the middle, church. Welcome to living in this place where we have a choice that we're gonna talk about here in a moment. Church, I want you to know that part of this cycle that we wanna see this morning is that there's always gonna be a clear call and we have to get it right. And I want to say that after that call is going to become an, an incredible commitment to what God's called you to. But I've learned over a few years of walking with Jesus now that with a great call of God, there's always going to become a number of crises. You know what a crisis is? You know what a crisis is? A crisis is a crossroads. A crisis is a cross point. A crisis is something that makes you come face to face with who God is or who God isn't in your life. A crisis is a place where you can mark the spot. It's like, a, it's like God has provided an X and you step into that X and he basically invites us into that moment of crisis and he says, I either am the Lord of your life or I'm not. You're either going to trust me or you're going to turn from me. There's no gray. It is a black and white decision. I fear sometimes in the church that we live in the gray Everything feels gray today. Are you in with Christ? Are you not in with Christ? Um, um, are, you, are you a faithful follower? Are you a church attender? Are you, are you, are you? Crisis help provide clarity as to where we're truly at with God. And church, I step out of this and step with you. I don't like crises. None of us like crises. But it's the crises of our life that allows us to really determine the commitment that God is going to walk us on and walk us through to live the life that God's called us to live. For the Apostle Paul, his calling was clear. He says, for this reason, I'm a prisoner of Christ. He says, I'm a servant. In verse 7, verse 7 of chapter 3, he says, I became a servant of this gospel, listen to this, by the gift of God's grace given me. I became a servant by the gift. I became a servant by the gift. Church, those two words seem oxymoronic to me. Servant and gift are not really good words to me. I want to say I became a servant because of my sin. I became a servant because I'm being condemned. I became a servant because I have something in my life that God's trying to free me of. Because I have something that I'm not good enough for. Because, because, I'm because. Do you realize that God is writing your story? And that sometimes there's crises in our life and sometimes they're self-induced and sometimes they're God-allowed. But if we trust that God is good and we trust that God is with us, we have to believe that every time suffering enters into our life, our posture should be one of thanks. 
The Apostle Paul says, I am a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me through the working of his power. In that same posture in verse 8, it says, although I am less than the least of all God's people, very humble, this grace was given to me. And he goes on then to share about the, the beautiful vision that is going to come. I'm going to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I'm going to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery that has not been known but now is known. This is the intent I want you to know through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers, the authorities of the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, what Paul just said is my calling is clear. I'm called to serve no matter the cost. My crisis is true. I'm called to be a servant. He's the same man that said I've been pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. He had a vision Church Mission View, you are part of that vision right now. That through the church, the manifold wisdom of the God should be revealed. The vision that God gave Paul so many years ago is now being played out in churches all across Stark County, all across Ohio, all across the United States, all across the world. It's the same vision. It's the same call. Yet here's Paul with a distinct call. He's found himself in a prison unable in some ways to live out the call. I wonder about the prisons that sometimes we have in our lives. Prisons of doubt, prisons of destruction, prisons of, of feeling like I'm not enough. These are all things that Satan tries to do when we're living in this middle of trying to disqualify us from the commitment that he's trying to move us towards. I think an illustration probably be the easiest way to understand the heartbeat that God has for us this morning. Um, I saw this a few years ago, and I take no, I take no, um, no accolades for the creativity of it. <clears throat> Anybody know what these are? What are these? They're not Legos. These are little tools of Satan. <laughs> you know what they are. They're expensive. <clears throat> they hurt. You step on them. You overpay for them. You buy them once. You put it together once, and you call it good. When I, uh, when I went to buy this a number of years ago, um, I looked, I remember walking through the store and I think, man, what do I buy and this and that. And, and what I saw, church, I saw this. You know what this is? It's a beautiful ship. I mean, it's beautiful. I'm like, it's like a three-layer ship. There's people like jet skiing off the edges. And I'm like, this is, this is amazing. And I got home and yeah, I'm just making a huge mess. And when I got home and I opened the box, like, here, here's the reality. I went, to, I went to open it. Church, I bought that. <laughs> what is this? Right? I, I, bought, I bought the ship. I, I, this is what I spent my money on. 
This was the vision that I had, was I was going to open this box. My little girl was going to go, oh, look at the ship. It's beautiful. And then they have just the craziness to not only make the ship for me, they have the audacity to give me this. You know what this is? How many people follow rules in here? Come on. Look at you guys. You guys love these things. You're like, I love this. The administration of God's grace, you're all in. How many people go, what is this? Come on. How many people are like, oh, I can freelance that? <laughs> right? I got that. What I've found is if you turn to page one, it's got like pick up this and then pick up that. And then pick up the other one. And if you walk through, this is so crazy. If you walk through, look at this, look at this. It's so crazy. 66 pages. <laughs> if you walk through 66 pages, this will be your end. And church, if truth be told, I'm okay with page one. I'm okay with page two. I'm not okay with 66. Because here's what happens. All too often, I get page one, I get page two, and all of a sudden, I find that piece that doesn't fit. Anybody know that piece? And all of a sudden, you start going, it's a manufacturer problem, <laughs> right? This is not my fault. We need to take it back to Amazon. Amazon returns is what this is for because this surely is not my fault. They're saying this. I'm doing this. It's not working. And then some of you, you know what you're talking about. We're going to get back to God's word in a second, I promise you. But you know who you are. You know who you are. You're like, I'm just going to force it, right? If I, just, if I just force it, I think I can make it work. And some of you are so engineering and so creative and so talented, you actually like take it and you actually try to bend it and break it and, and you do whatever it can to make it work. And all the time, your little one's sitting there looking at you going, huh. And if you're married, your wife's just going, oh, what are you doing? Church, the Apostle Paul was given a vision. He said, God said, the vision I have for you is that the manifold wisdom of the church, the manifold wisdom of the mystery of God is going to be known, made known through the church, that sitting one day across the world are going to be Jews and Gentiles and slave and free and, and, and male and female and people that don't look like each other, smell like each other, act like each other, and people that have nothing in common with each other, but they're going to stand and one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is your vision, Paul. This is what you're fighting for. This is what you're living for. Amen? But the reality is that Paul was just given a new piece. And the piece that he was given was one of slavery, was one of servanthood, was one of brokenness. I've been pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. I cannot see how this piece right here is going to get me to that picture. I do not understand how this fits the master plan of what God is doing. Church, there's too many of us in here this morning that you're holding a piece and you're so confused about it and you so cannot figure out how it's going to fit or why this fits or it doesn't make sense to you that you just are holding on so tight that you've lost the master vision of what God is trying to do in your life. And the master plan of what God is doing in your life, let me tell you, here it is, here it is, ready? 
It's so much bigger than any man, woman, and child in this place this morning. God fiercely loves each of us. But the sum total of our life is not God trying to be our, 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 our superhero or our genie in the sky that's here to bless everything we want. The sum total of our life is to say, you are my king, I am your servant, do whatever you want with my life in order to make your vision come to reality. Because here's the mystery of it, church. God is sovereign and the reality is going to come. The reality is coming. We can either choose to hold on to our peace so tightly that we miss the journey and the joy of what God has planned for us. Ready? Let it go. Let it go. Just let it go. About 16 months ago, in a hospital in Canton, Ohio, I, um, I sat in a hallway in a little closet <laughs> I don't think I was even supposed to be in because <clears throat> my father my hero at just the right time God chose to bring him home And they were able to kind of work at it and this and that and kind of found a little bit of a heartbeat and a few days there we didn't know what was going to happen and they're, they're looking at me as the son what do we do what do you want what are your should we keep fighting should we not fight should we keep should we not should we keep should we not should we keep should we not Church, it was a piece. Couldn't see how it fit. It didn't fit. No, this is... <laughs> this isn't how it's supposed to work. I'm supposed to like... I got... It's not how it's supposed to work. You know when your theology and your reality collide is where you really determine your commitment with Jesus. You see, my theology told me that God was good, God is faithful, God is just, God has a plan, God is working all things out for the good that put their trust in him. My theology was rock solid, but my reality, church, can you relate to this? My reality was scared, overwhelmed. Am I allowed to say this in church? My reality was anger. My reality was injustice. People look at me and they'd say, 
Pastor Taylor. When anyone starts a sentence with Pastor Taylor, your theology and reality kind of collide. In that moment, I don't want to be Pastor Taylor. I just wanted to be, ready? I just wanted to be angry 15-year-old Taylor. I just wanted to be like human. I wanted to mourn like everybody else. I wanted to be mad. And I wanted to say, it's not fair, and it's not right, and it's unjust, and all these kind of different emotions came in, but, but, but God, through his sovereign grace, met me in a room at Mercy Hospital, and he simply whispered, and I'm not like this crazy, like, God speaks to me all the time, and I have words from the Lord all the time. No, I shouldn't say that's crazy. That's awesome if you do that. That's just not my posture. I mean, it is my posture, but you know what I mean, right? Listen to you. God does speak to me. I'm just saying, I'm not, never mind, let's move on. God whispered. I don't know if you need to hear this whisper this morning. God just said, Taylor, will you trust me? Will you trust me? And here's the thing that got me. Ready? He says, I love you. Sometimes it's hard for me to trust God because I question if God sees me. And when certain things come in my life, what we're really wrestling with is, God, do you see me? Because when we don't seem like we're being seen by God, it's hard to trust God. Faith is being sure and certain of what? What we cannot. The commitment that God is calling us to is birthed in crises. All along our journey. God, you called me to this. I'm living in the middle with this. But I know the plans you have is over here. And it looks good. And I believe it's good. Help my unbelief. Help my trust. Increase my faith in you. This morning, church, this is probably one of the greatest illustrations of what most of us look like right now. I don't know the sum total of what God has planned for your life. But I do know the sum total of what God has planned. And God says that one day, and nobody knows the day, it's gonna happen in the twinkling of an eye. <laughs> I remember twinkling my eye when I was a kid. Remember twinkles? And I wake up, dang it, I'm still here. Oh, I'm still here. Church, we can never forget, and we never stop believing that in the twinkling of an eye, this is all coming to an end. And God says, one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the sum total of what each of us across this, across this what do you call this place, across this place is living for, to be part of that story, to be part of that vision. Church, what peace are you still holding on to right now that you've lost the joy of the journey? What peace are you hanging on so tightly to right now that you've been prone to doubt that God is 
the administrative sovereign God that determines our every step and our every breath. This morning, my question would be very simple for you. Is there a peace right now in your life as we live in this middle that you need to let go of? And just trust. Just trust again. A wayward child, a broken marriage, just trust. An addiction, just trust. Just trust. God is good, God is with you, and God is for you. I believe that when Adam and Eve left the garden in Genesis chapter 3, all of humanity moved into the middle. God had a plan. We chose to go against that plan, and we entered into this incredible season in the middle waiting for God to send his son back for us. And he's left a remnant. (laughs) I don't know if you're part of that remnant this morning, but the way you'd be part of that remnant is to put your trust in Jesus who is the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the crises of the cross so he could be fully committed to the restoration of humanity back to himself. Are you part of the remnant mission view? Are you part of the plan? You get in tomorrow. What peace this morning do you need to let go of and trust the process? Father God, into your hands we commit ourselves. There are so many stories in this place this morning that are stories of, in some ways, incredible joy. And for those that are in a joyful space, God, would you continue to give them boldness and courage to continue to live out the life that you've called them to live. For those of Many of us that might be in a place of sorrow and discouragement and and brokenness and wonder and questioning and even doubt, God, would you remind us this morning that the peace maybe that we're clinging to so tightly, give us the strength through your spirit just to release it back to you. God, maybe for those in here that don't have a relationship with you, and God, maybe would you just kindly and gently continue to nudge their heart toward yours. You're not mad at them. And if they confess with their mouth that you are Lord and believe in their heart that you alone are faithful to forgive them of their sins, that God, right now in this moment, they can join a remnant that you have been building since the beginning. God, I thank you for Paul, though a servant for the Gentiles, a servant set apart by you for people that probably did not appreciate who he was or what he was living out. He finished well. Help us keep our eyes fixed on you. Because you live, Jesus, we can and will face tomorrow because we know that you are writing a new story for each of us. We love you, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen.